0: Good morning, friends. I want to say welcome to Vernonia Church and their online teaching time. My name is Sam. I'm the pastor here at Vernonia Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us this morning. Hey, I, I'm doing something a little different today. Uh, friends of ours have a beach house. My wife wanted to get away, so we came out to the beach house. And I'm recording today from uh, uh, the easy chair in the beach house over here in Rockaway Beach. And So, hey, it, we're going to continue our series where we're talking about Be Renewed and how Jesus wants to renew us. And in just a few moments, I'm going to share with you a teaching uh, called How God Makes My Soul whole. And it's going to be a great day. I want to invite you to pray with me before uh, we get started, and then we'll dive right in. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are a God who restores our souls, who makes my soul whole. God, that you are a God who cares for us and loves us and watches out for us. And God, you renew us. And so we thank you. And God, I pray that you will Uh, bless us today as we think about how you renew us and make all things work out for your glory and your good. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Everybody said amen. Uh, Well, I want to begin this morning as we talk about how God makes my soul whole with a story about a man named Joe. Joe uh, was uh, the kind of guy who just always seemed to go wrong for him. Uh, Joe was in a big family, and he was his daddy's favorite, you know, when he was younger. When everybody else got jeans and a t-shirt for Christmas, Joe got an Armani suit. You know, he was he, he was just the one who was always lavished with gifts and favoritism. And Out of jealousy, Joe's brothers just decided they had enough of Joe and they're going to get rid of him. So they took him out, they beat him up, and they threw him into a sewer drain. Uh, well, in the Bible story, it wasn't a sewer drain, but uh, let's just go with that. And, and they left him there. They were going to kill him and one of the Joe's brothers said, let's not do that, guys. And uh, some slave traders were coming by and Joe was sold into slavery. And as he was living a life of slavery, he was falsely accused, he was imprisoned, and then he was forgotten in prison, and all these things just seemed to always go wrong for Joe, even though Joe was trying to do the right thing. And it just could have been real frustrating for Joe to go through that experience, but he continued to have faith and walk with God as he did it, and you know about 20 years later after he had been sold into slavery after he had been uh, beaten and 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 uh, t- thrown into sewers and thrown into prisons and forgotten and after all that about 20 years later Joe found himself in a place where he was rising <laughs> in in uh, power and influence he found himself in a place where he was politically influential because he had come up with a plan to save uh, the economy of the country he was in to save the uh, to to save and restore that country and to help that country go through a severe downturn a severe famine well, Joe helped put his plan into action and helped that country through it and became powerful. He became very wealthy, very well known. And and there came a time where all the all the whole world was going through struggle financially and with famine and Joe's family came to the country he was in begging and and asking for help and asking for money and Joe had an opportunity because they didn't even know who he was. Well, they were standing before him and asking for help. Joe had an opportunity to hurt them. He had an opportunity to take revenge on them. He had an opportunity to go after them. And instead, Joe showed incredible compassion and grace and helped them out. It says in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, where we see the story of Joseph in the scriptures, it says this. He was talking Talking to his brothers who initially had tried to kill him and threw him into uh, sold him into slavery he said this you intended to harm me but god intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives uh, david said hey the lord is my shepherd and the lord restores my soul and that's how he restores souls he takes all that the world throws at us and he brings it around for the good of those who love him. He, he restores our souls. And, and what I want to do this morning is, is think about... How he takes the hurts that the world intends to harm us with and he turns them into something good. That, that he can take a broken world with broken people and, and broken things intended to harm us and he can turn them around for good. And God will take and, and use the, the the damage and the things that cause damage to our souls for for good. And what I want to do is just take a look at some of the ways he does that this morning. If you're in a place where you can take notes, I'd encourage you, write some of these things down because we're going to talk about how he how he restores our soul and uh, and turns what the world intends to harm us into good. Well, the first thing that uh, first way that he does that, you might write this down is that he creates holiness out of my hurts. And God is so sovereign and so powerful that he can take everything that a broken world and broken people do, even when they don't do his will, he can take them and bring good out of them. And he can take what the world intends for bad and bring something good out of it. God can make good even out of evil. You know, our souls will all have hurts, we'll have grudges, we'll have guilt, we'll have grief. And often, our souls will be weighed down uh, by by something, one of them, right? Our, our souls will weighed, be weighed down, maybe by all three, or maybe one at a time. But there will be times where our souls will be weighed down by these struggles. And and one reason we talk about the next verse that I'm going to read so much is because we all deal with a lot of hurts in life. In Romans chapter 8, 28, it says this, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And did you hear that? In that verse, it says he can use and he can take and and he can make "...all things out for the good..." of those who love him, all things, all things, including the good things, including the bad things, including the hurtful things and the 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 hard things. He can take all things, all the things that happen in our lives. Uh, he can take them and he can work them for his good. When Paul wrote those words, he was in prison. When he wrote those words, he wanted to come see this church, but he couldn't because of his situation. When he wrote those words, he was in a place where he was suffering for preaching Jesus and living the Christian life, and he was writing to a church that was also facing suffering, for preaching Jesus and living the Christian life. you could almost say, why do good things happen? Bad things happen to good people. Well, when you're talking to people who are persecuted for their faith, you're you're really talking to, good people who are experiencing bad things. And and so he says to them, God can take even that bad and work it out for his good. Now, this isn't a promise for everybody. Sometimes this verse is taken out of context and people will say, oh, God, God causes all things to work out for the good. Uh, But that's not what it says. It says this promise is specifically for people with two labels. The first label is this is for those who love God. There is for those who love him, who love Jesus. In John 14, 15 to 16, it teaches us, uh, Jesus says this, uh, If you love me, obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. And, and here's how this works. If I love him, I'll obey him. When I have grudges, I'll obey him, and I'll let them go. I'll forgive, I'll stop stewing and spewing and doing things out of my grudges, and I'll just let them go. And when I have guilt, well, I'll obey him. I'll confess my guilt to him, and and I'll ask him to forgive me, and I'll repent, and, and I'll work towards living a better future for me, and I'll forgive myself because the one who actually does judge me has forgiven me as well, and so I'll just obey him. And when I have hurts and grief, I'll have faith and I'll obey Him. I'll obey Him and love Him the best I can when grief comes my way. And I'll forgive myself because uh, the one who judges me forgives me. And, and whether I have grief because of a lost loved one, or loss of my health, or loss uh, 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 or, or suffering in my life. I'll go through it in a with a healthy grieving process and an underlying hope that one day God will bring me to a place with no more grief, no more pain, and God hates my grief. He hates my pain. He hates my struggling, and one day he eliminates it all with a promise of heaven. And so as I go through my hurts and my grief, I'll have faith and I'll obey and I'll love God. I'll trust him. I'll hope in him and and that will work to put me in a place where I'm loving I'm loving God and he promises if I love God uh, if I love him then he will work all things out for the good of those who love him and then he says not only those who love him but and those who are called uh, by for his purposes those who are called and who are the called well the called in the new testament are are those people who answer his call god calls us all to believe in Jesus. He calls us all uh, to to receive his grace. He calls us all to know him and to make a first-time decision, to follow that first-time decision up with repentance and baptism. He calls us all, but not everybody answers the call. The scriptures tell us that it's God's will that none would perish, but we know that there are some who will perish against God's will because they didn't answer the call. And once we do answer the call, we become what the Bible will call the called. <laughs> Paul will use all kinds of different ways to refer to Christians in this in this uh, book of Romans, and even in this chapter, he'll use terms like saints. Sometimes we think of a saint as someone who lives a better life than most people. But a saint, according to the Apostle Paul, is a believer in Christ. Anyone who believes in Christ. And here's why. Because when we answer God's call, he forgives us of our sin. He removes our sin as far from us as the east is from the west. It's as if he threw our sin into the deepest part of the ocean. And Jesus covers us by his blood. It gives us the credit for the life, the perfect life, the sinless life, the good life he lived. And when he does that, that makes us a saint. We're no longer sinners, but we're saints walking with Jesus. And Paul will also call us children of God in verses 14 to 16 here, chapter 8 of Romans. uh, It will say that we're adopted as God's children, which gives us the ability to call him Abba, our father. And you're no longer an outsider with God. You are an insider in his family. And when, when there's an accusation that comes your way, it will no longer stick or hurt. It will no longer be something that will be held against you in the court of God. And so if it's not held against you in the court of God, and if you're a son of God, well, that changes where we stand with God. And he says to us, listen, uh, you can call me father when you believed in me. You got the right to become a child of God. And and here's the thing. When you're a child of God, you could say, well, my dad, uh, he's bigger than the prince of this world. And my dad, uh, he's bigger than anyone that might hold a grudge against me. And my dad, well, he's bigger than my guilt. And my dad is bigger than all the grief in this world combined And my dad has promised that if I love him, that if I have claimed his calling on my life, that he will work all things out for the good. For his good, for my good, and for his good purpose for me. Now that doesn't mean that he's going to take all our suffering and trouble away, that that somehow he's going to make you healthy and wealthy and rich. And and when he was talking about this in Romans 8, he wasn't talking about anything as shallow as a health and wealth message. He had a greater picture in mind, as Paul always does, and as God does. In the grand scheme of things, in God's whole redemption story. His overall purpose for all of the world is redemption and salvation and and the ultimate glorification of all those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And God is going to use the trouble of the world to help us grow, to become more like Jesus, to prepare us for an eternal glory. And he's going to use it to prepare us for heaven, to prepare us to be with him forever. And here's wh- what he wants to do: he wants to take your your hurts and make them holy, give them a, a holy purpose. And he also, number two, wants to take my uh, create character in my crisis. He wants to create character in me as I go through a crisis. That verse, Romans 8, 28, where it says, We know that God works all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Uh, In that verse, uh, well, it's a verse we all need because, well, we all have times of crisis, right? Uh, We all have uh, those bad times. Not all times are good. Uh, Bad that comes sometimes because of someone else's bad decision. Well, that can bring a crisis into my life. A bad that comes sometimes because of a bad decision other people make or, or, or because of a, a bad decision, a bad choice other people make that affects my life and, and that can cause a crisis or, or a, a bad decision that I make. That, that causes pain and suffering and a crisis in my life. And sometimes bad comes into our lives because of, well, things like a broken world, a disease, an accident, a trouble that the broken world might bring my way. Now, God doesn't wear rose-colored glasses. God isn't saying in this verse that we should all sing the song, The sun will come out. Tomorrow, right? He, he's not telling us to do that. And some of you are thankful that I'm not going to do that again. And, and and we all live in Oregon, and or at least a lot of us in our church is in Oregon. And we know the sun doesn't always come out tomorrow. It's out today, that's great. It was out yesterday, that was great. Uh, but we know that it's not a guarantee that the sun's going to come out tomorrow. And the reality is is that our crisis won't always be gone tomorrow. It could be there again, or a new one could pop up. And God's not teaching us to have blind optimism. He's not, he, and there's a difference, by the way, between blind optimism and a real hope. Blind optimism, well, that's just wishful thinking. Real hope is based on certainty of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and the promise of his return to renew all things. And and we know that God works all things out for the good, but it's not all good. Not everything he has to work with is always good. And, And he can take the bad, the crisis, and he can bring good from it. He can take the things that people do against me and say against me and the stones they throw at me, and he can actually use them for his good. Absolutely. Uh, can, can God take the co-worker who undermines you and use it for good? Can God take the thing the neighbor's saying about you and use it for good? Can God take the gossip and the hurts and the stories people maybe tell about you and And if they're true or not, can he use it for his good? Absolutely. The answer is if you love him. And if you're living out your call for his purpose, well, absolutely. He can take it and make something good out of it. Especially when you humble yourself before him and others and and rise above what people say. And can God take your own sins and bring good out of them? (laughs) That's hard to imagine, isn't it? And yet, God can take the hurts and the wrongs and and the crisis we've created in our own lives and still bring good out of them. Uh, he can do that, especially when well, when we produce what the Bible will describe as the fruit of repentance. Especially when we repent. Especially when we confess what we've done and we repent from what we've done. Years ago, I was talking to a man who was active in his church who was, well, he was just lamenting because he had made some choices that were going to just really harm his life. He'd had an affair and was continuing to have an affair. And he was wondering whether or not uh, he had ruined his family, ruined his reputation, and even ruined his relationship with God. He was wondering how he could ever come back from something like that. And I remember as a young pastor, as I was talking with him over several several times meeting together and talking, we talked about repentance, his need to repent, and, and could he ever bounce back? And I remember calling one of the pastors that uh, was sort of a mentor to me and asking him, you know, about a situation like that. You know, what do I say? And he said this. He said, look, Sam, he said, here's the thing. We can bounce back after we've done something wrong. But the way it needs to work is this. When a Christian starts to repent, and the, the repentance starts to speak louder than, than whatever it is we did, then we kind of find ourselves in a place where God is glorified again. And whatever the sin was in your life that, that you look at and you go, man, can God ever restore me? The answer is he can He can restore you from whatever it was. When you repent so loudly that your mistake, that your sin, that your wrongdoing speaks so loud that people almost forget what it was you did before, you have a voice that might help other people before they make the same mistake. You have a voice that might help other people come back from the same mistake. You see, God can take what the world intended for bad, what you intended for bad what, what, what whatever. He could take whatever it is, and He could turn it around for His good and for your good, too. He wants to help you recover from that mistake. And then he wants to build you up so that the new, recovered, renewed soul you have speaks incredibly loud. And can God take a damaged mind, a damaged will, a damaged heart, a damaged soul, and work something for his good and for your good? Absolutely. If I love him, and if I'm called according to his purpose. And only God has the power to do that. No one else does. And only God specializes in bringing good out of of crisis in our life. I heard one pastor say this. I really like this list he gives. He said this, God turns my hurts into holiness. He turns my wounds into wisdom. He turns my pain into gain. He uses correction to bring me perfection. He uses offenses to remove my pretenses, and he uses my bruises for good. They're not good bruises, but he uses my bruises. And when others want to bash me, he uses it to bless me. God is good, and he's our good shepherd, and he restores our soul. And and, and let's talk about just for a minute, what does it mean where it says he works all things out for the good? Uh, Paul doesn't really give us a definition of what he means by for the good, "quote" unquote. He doesn't leave it to uh, uh, he does, but he doesn't leave it to our imaginations totally. He doesn't leave us to dream up what for the good means uh, What he says is God works all things out for the good. And then later in in the surrounding passage, he'll sort of explain what he was getting at. He tells us what for the good kind of means as he talks about how God wants to use the things that happen in our life to build our character. Listen to what he says in the two verses after saying God works all things out for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. He says this... God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. He sees the original intended shape of our lives there in him. You know what God wants us to be like? He wants us to be like Jesus. God is far more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. We might go through a crisis and we might say something like, God... I don't understand why these things are going bad for me. I, I'm trusting in you. How come things don't always go my way? And uh, it, and we might have a hard time understanding it. And, and he explains here saying, listen, God wants to help you and your character. And even though God might not have caused what's going bad in your life, God wants to use it to help build your character if everything went went the way we wanted it to all the time, what would we be? Well, we'd be spoiled brats. And that's true, isn't it? Uh, you, you know people who, maybe you've seen kids, they get everything they want. They don't have respect. They don't have uh, the idea of delayed gratification. And they think they're entitled and they're owed everything. And I think they all live in Portland. Uh, but, but, but the idea is that... Uh, That we'd be spoiled brats if we got everything we wanted from God whenever we asked him. And God didn't ever intend it to be that way. Not ever. And he never promised it would be that way. Not ever. If you think about it, God wants you to grow to be like Christ. Life. This life. It's the preparation. It's the practice. It's where we develop character that we're going to have in all of eternity. This life is preparation for the next. Heaven is where there's no sorrow, no suffering, no sickness, no sadness, no people throwing hurts at you. That's heaven. God's preparing us for that. And this life, well, it's like preschool. It's like, it's like a small class before all of eternity. And God wants to help us grow up here in this life. When we look at this life and we say, well, why is this happening? We look at this life and, and we see that, well, there's bullies at the school and there's bad kids at school and sometimes you're a bad kid at the school too and and there are bad things happening in a broken world. But if you love Jesus, he will take that bad, that crisis, and he will help you become more like Jesus. More important then why is this happening is what god what are you gonna do what are you gonna do with this that brings about good God, what are you going to do and how are you going to bring about your good through this? Those are maybe more important questions to think through as we go through our crisis times. He's more interested in your character than he is your comfort. Yes, God wants good things for all his children and he wants good things for you and he won't give up on you. But he also won't give you things at the cost of your character. Here's a thought. In heaven... We're going to be comfortable. Right now, God's more interested in your character than comfort. In heaven, we're going to be comfortable for hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands and millions and trillions and an eternity of years. We're going to be comfortable. But for now, it's time to develop character. And he'll use everything in our life to help us develop that character, to become more like Christ. He creates holiness out of my hurts and he creates character in my crisis and number three he replaces our brokenness with wholeness he's working all things out for the good to help you become more like christ he wants you to be whole like christ was whole to have the character of christ to 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 know and to live more like christ and what does he want to produce in you That makes you look more like Christ. Well, in the Bible, it actually tells us, in in Galatians chapter 5, Paul will teach us about how he wants to bear fruit in us. This fruit of the Holy Spirit, he calls it, which is basically the results of having God in your life. And he says it's this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23, the Apostle Paul says, The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he says, against there such things there is no law. And here he lists nine qualities, nine, nine things that God wants to produce in all of us to make us whole like Jesus. He wants to put these qualities in your life, the quality of love. He wants you to learn to love more, to become more loving. He wants you to love not only those who love you back, but he wants you to learn how to love those who hate you, to love those who accuse you, to love those who hurt you, to love those who, uh, well, who are your enemies. He wants you to learn to love them too, just like he loved them. And he wants to produce in you more quality of joy. God wants you to show more joy. In life, even to have joy in the midst of sorrow. He wants you to learn to have the joy, the kind of joy that Jesus had, where it says "For that Jesus endured the cross, and he did it with joy because he knew what him going to the cross meant for you. And he wants to produce in you a quality of peace. God wants you to be more at peace, to know more peace, to have more peace, to be more of a peaceful person and a peacemaker Uh, he'll he'll ask uh, or or, or he'll he'll tell us he wants to produce in us a peace that passes understanding and when we have that kind of peace well people will ask where do they get that peace how can they have that kind of peace in the midst of struggle and he wants to produce in us uh, more patience god wants you to learn to be patient that's why we have the DMV. God wants you to to learn to be patient in a broken world as we wait in this broken world for him to return. Think about how patient God is. And he tells us, by the way, why he's so patient. Some people say, well, why doesn't God just come back now? Well, the Bible tells us he's waiting for every person who will to come to Jesus because he doesn't want anyone to miss out. Which is, by the way, why it's so important that we share Christ with the people in our community, with our neighbors, with our friends. Because every person who makes a first-time decision to believe in Jesus and repent and get baptized, every person that does that brings us one person closer to Jesus' return. But God's been incredibly patient with the world as he's put up with all kinds of brokenness so that he can make sure that he saves each one who needs it. And he wants us to learn to be patient too. He wants to produce in us a quality of kindness. God wants you to learn to be kind, to show his kindness to an unkind world, to show his kindness in a broken world, to practice his kindness. And he wants you to show goodness. God wants you to learn to be good, to show a bad world what a good person lives like, to, to show a, a bad world in a broken world what the goodness of God looks like. And he wants you to show faithfulness. He wants to produce in you more faithfulness. Whether it's faithfulness in the midst of sorrow and struggle and, and grief. Whether it's faithfulness in the midst of uh, forgiving grudges and and letting go of guilt, and and asking forgiveness over our guilt. God wants to produce in us faithfulness. He wants you to learn to be a more faithful follower of Jesus. He wants you to learn how to be a more faithful father and husband. and He wants you to learn how to be a more faithful wife and spouse. And He wants us all to learn how to be more faithful members of a church, and more faithful employees and employers. He wants to produce in us faithfulness. And he wants to produce in us gentleness. God wants you to learn to be more gentle like he's gentle. He wants you to learn how to show gentleness and care when it matters. God wants you to learn how to reflect the gentleness of Jesus. He wants to produce in us the quality of self-control. God wants you to learn the self-control. Of repenting from your own sins and and turning from temptation and sin. God wants you to learn how to have self-control as you confess your sin and and resist uh, diving back into sin. And he wants you to learn self-control over things like your mouth and your actions and your hands and your life. And he wants you to learn to practice self-control when it comes to motivation and, and when it comes to honoring him. Jesus had all these qualities. They're all a picture of what he was like. Jesus was totally loving and full of joy and total peace. And, and he had joy and peace at the cross even. And Jesus was incredibly patient with us. And he is good to us. And he's gentle with us. And he's completely self-controlled. Uh, in him there was no sin. And Jesus was a picture of what life before the fall of man was supposed to be lived like. And And one day... Jesus promises that we'll all be restored to be like him. And for now, for now, God says, I want to replace your brokenness with wholeness. And so his number one goal for you and me is that we become like Jesus. He wants to restore our souls to what he created them and intended them to be in the Garden of Eden. Look at Jesus and you'll see what God wants to do in your life. So you'll be like him, so so that you'll know and be like your Father in heaven. This broken world, well, it's broken and full of broken people who disobey God's will. It's his goal. It's his goal to take what this world intends for harm and to turn it for his good. Listen, all of us can look at this broken world and say what Joseph said. Remember, I began with his story at the beginning of this teaching today. We can all look at this broken world and say, What you intended to harm me, God intended for good, to accomplish what is now being done. And guess whose intentions are more powerful? It's not the world's, it's God's. Your Heavenly Father, who you love. And who has called you to his purposes? And so God can make your soul whole. By taking your hurts and turning them into holiness and and, and by taking your uh, your character and and creating character in your crisis, and by taking you and replacing your brokenness with wholeness, God can renew you and renew your soul. I'd like to invite you to pray with me, and and let's pray that God will, will help us and, and renew our souls together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we thank you that you you make us new, that you renew us. We thank you that you can take even what the world intends for harm and turn it for his good. I pray, Father, that you will uh, bless us that you will help us renew our souls and help us to put our faith and trust in you help us to just put our lives in your hands as we love you and we live out the calling that you have on our lives and and god we just look and we say we trust that you will take what the world intends for harm and turn it to your good in jesus name we pray everybody said Amen. Well, I want to say thank you for joining me here today as we went through our online teaching. I want to encourage you, make sure you come back next Sunday. We'll continue this series. And I just want to finish up by declaring it's been a great day. So you ready? On the count of three, you're welcome to join me. Uh, we're On the count of three, we're going to declare it's been a great day. You ready? One, two, three. It's been a great day. I hope you have a great day, and I look forward to seeing you next Sunday.